How's it going, everybody? My name is Reagan Harrell, and welcome in to another episode of Suncast, the podcast covering the Sun Conference. Awesome episode lined up for us today. We have an interview with Brian Fuentes of Southeastern University. Brian's uh, we're going to talk about this huge weekend matchup, the top 15 matchup between Southeastern and Weber International University. Also get into a little bit uh, just about their amazing season. They've only lost one game, technically two. They just lost to the Detroit Tigers on Wednesday, but I think we're just going to chalk that one up as a uh, scrimmage. Uh, Southeastern is 32-1 on the year. They take on 30-9 and nine Weber. Uh, huge matchup in Babson Park. I will be on the call. You can go to Weber Athletics, and you can listen to me call some baseball. I think I, I, think I call baseball a little bit better than I podcast, but – Either way, you know, I think I do both pretty well. Um, but so, some developments have happened uh, with Suncast, good developments. Um, and the podcast is moving in the direction that I've wanted it to move and a lot faster than what I thought it was. So obviously, if you've listened to previous episodes, it's been a lot of me reviewing games, previewing games, stats, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I think that's good to a certain extent. I think it's awesome to, you know, highlight how we have – players batting over 500 we have pitchers with a sub five era you know and it's awesome to get into uh with baseball and softball mostly right now it's just that's what's happening this time of the year but my purpose for suncast was to get the sun conference out there and to hear stories across because you know we are in the nai and not a lot of people know what's happening outside of their respective universities. You know, Weber students don't know everything that's happening at Kaiser. Saying Warner students don't know what's happening at University of South Carolina, Beaufort, which I just learned it's pronounced Beaufort instead of Beaufort, so I've been saying that wrong uh, for a little while. And we now have interviews recorded and lined up with uh, people from like Southeastern, uh, just – Got done interviewing Coach Tim Hayes, the women's basketball coach. He'll be on Monday's episode. And it, it was a wonderful interview, and you found out a lot. I mean, Coach Hayes is one of the most successful coaches, not just in women's basketball, but across the NAIA and any coach, especially in the Sun Conference. Uh, you know, Southeastern women's basketball has won six straight Sun Conference regular season championships, and I believe five of the last six tournament championships. Uh, they were in the final four. They lost by a point to Dort University. Um, it, the interview was amazing with Coach Hayes. I really appreciate Southeastern uh, for letting me come and talk with him. Not just about Southeastern women's basketball, but Southeastern in general. I, mean, I learned a lot about Southeastern just talking with him and people at Weber and Warner and Kaiser or wherever else you're listening from. You'll learn a lot about Southeastern and just about women's basketball in general with Coach. And we don't just talk basketball. We talk about his time in Australia, and I'm not going to get into everything. Y'all have to come back next Monday, or it should be Tuesday, and listen into it. Another thing that we're going to add into the Suncast podcast is lacrosse. You know, lacrosse isn't technically in the Sun Conference, but Kaiser and Warner are two of the top ten teams in the nation. I believe Kaiser's number four, and Weber is seventh in the nation. They, they both play in the Appalachian Athletic Conference. And at Weber, Chase Jackson, he's going to be the player, the player of the conference this year, the offensive player in the conference. He is leading in assists by a huge margin. He's got 42 assists. The next closest is uh, a couple guys at 20, 22. So he, he's nearly doubled, over doubled 
pretty much everybody else in the conference. He has 15 more points than the next closest guy. He has 69 points. Very nice. And Kaiser, they have a lot of guys up there too. They're number four currently. They have a little more of a not gonna say a team effort because Weber certainly is a team. But we're gonna have guys from Weber on. Unfortunately, Kaiser's a little bit more difficult to get interviews with. They kind of have a um, process to interviewing, which uh, as an interviewer is not exactly the most fun. But you got to do what you got to do. And hopefully, we'll get some more Seahawks on the podcast soon. But we will have Weber men's and women's across players on so they can talk about their seasons this is only their second year both men's and women's and they have taken tremendous strides over in Babson Park to become uh, very solid teams and women's team they're still working their way up through the Appalachian Conference but for Weber their men's team is doing tremendous right now currently 10 and 4 on the year Uh, they lost to number one Reinhardt earlier in March 7-11, a tough home loss for Weber against the number one team in the country, and they just came up short against the number nine team in the country, Tennessee Wesleyan, 9-10 in Babson Park. Other than that, they've had a stellar campaign dominating a lot of their games, and they have a home matchup this Saturday against SCAD University. That's at the same time as Southeastern versus Weber. I'll be calling that game, so I won't have a chance to look into that. But the following week, they take on Kaiser University, which will be a top 10 matchup at home. I'll most likely be on the call for that game. If I'm not on the call, I will definitely be watching that. And that's, that week, I plan on having some Weber men's across guys on there. I've talked with Hunter Scott and Reynold Ray about coming on the podcast. They're both absolutely down. It's just right now, they are super busy with their schedule. Uh, as y'all know, I play football at Weber, and we had just started spring ball, so Scheduling interviews has been a little difficult. It's just like, okay, I have this hour right here. Um, but we're going to get everybody on. And got to start talking about lacrosse at Kaiser and Weber International University. They're top ten. They're not technically in the Sun Conference. But we're going to give at least the Weber boys a little bit of slack. I'm going to give them a little slack. Y'all know I'm going to be just slightly biased. My boys in Babson Park. Speaking of Babson Park, that is where the big series of the week is going to be this weekend. It's the number one team in the nation, the Southeastern University Fire, taking on the Weber International University Warriors. 13th ranked Warriors, they are coming off a tough little stretch. Their toughest stretch of the season, you know, they've been red hot this year. They have been one of the best teams in the country, going from outside the top 25 to being the 13th ranked team in the NAIA. I believe they are a top 10 team. They got swept by Kaiser. Uh, It was one of those series, I talked with some of the guys, it was one of those series, you know, sometimes the ball just doesn't go your way. And that's baseball. However, their aspirations are to win this conference. And to win this conference, you have to make your own luck. And that's what they're going to have to do against Southeastern because I've seen Southeastern play firsthand now. At first... I kind of thought maybe the hype was, eh, you know, okay, they're good, but are they that good? No. No, 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 no. The Southeastern University Fire baseball team is beyond legit. It doesn't look like an average NAIA team out there. I guarantee, I'd put money on it and slap the table. That's me putting my $20 on the table. They could go into a power, or sorry, not power five, but a group of five division one and compete. They could go in the uh, athletic conference with USF and UCF 
And I fully believe the Southeastern Fire team could compete. I mean, you don't have five guys batting over 400. We're going to talk with Brian Fuentes at the end of the episode and get more into just how amazing they are. That being said, they are beatable. This is a beatable team. If there is a team that can beat them at NAIA ball, no, it is not Warner University. There are two teams in the Sun Conference that have a legit shot of taking one, maybe two, from Southeastern. That's Weber and it's St. Thomas. What does Weber need to do to beat uh, the number one team in the country? They got to have dominant pitching. They Xavier Rodriguez can't go out there and walk people the way he did against Kaiser. I love X. That's one of my best friends on the baseball team. But he cannot go out there and lay an egg like he did against Kaiser. Dylan Martin, we need the Dylan Martin we saw against Georgia Gwinnett. If those two guys show up with their A game, one of them will be facing Rob Adams. Not sure which one it is. That more depends on how Southeastern and uh, Weber decide to play their series. I would assume we'll see a little bit more of a bullpen game from both in game one and then in the doubleheader Saturday. We'll see some combination of Rob Adams and Drew Galepsi for the fire, taking on the combination of Dylan Martin and Xavier Rodriguez for Weber. The bats have got to come back alive, too, for the Warriors. They went to Sylvester Field last weekend against Kaiser, and outside of Kenny Rodriguez and a home run from Luis Acevedo, not a lot. And that cannot be the case because, boy, these guys for the fire are going to score. Even if Dylan and Xavier have amazing outings, an amazing outing against Southeastern could still very well mean you give up three or four runs. If you go six, seven innings and give up four runs against this fire lineup, that's, you know, that's a pretty damn good job. That's just the way it is. So these bats have got to come to live. The pitching has got to keep us in the game, and the bats have got to get us through it. Southeastern, I mean, what, what do you correct? You're 32-1, and one, you're 9-0. Oh. Just, they just got to keep doing them. Gary Laura, Brian Fuentes, Abiel Guadalupe, Isaac Nunez, they're all batting over 400. Hopefully we can bring them a tick down. Uh, maybe we can get Nunez back under 400 and make it three fire above 400 on the year. But if we're going to do that, not only has it got to be the starting pitching, but the bullpen, which, don't get me wrong, Jake, Drake Kasparik, TJ Lopez, they came out of the bullpen and pitched very well against the Seahawks last weekend. They're going to need to duplicate that. Uh, because let's be honest, Dylan and X, the odds they both go seven plus, not great. Well, I wouldn't say seven plus, eight plus. So either way, we're going to need two or three innings. And I keep saying we. I'm sorry. When, I, when I'm talking Weber baseball, I'm, I'm going to say we. That's the sport that I've covered this entire season. Those are my boys. If you don't like it, I don't really care. Um, you know, I, I love everybody in the Sun Conference. This is an awesome conference. But Weber baseball and Weber football, they're one, two. I got connections with those two teams. That is what it is. You don't like it, oh, well. The other series that I want to highlight in the Sun Conference this weekend is Kaiser against USCB. I want to see if Kaiser has a little bit of that, not really drunkenness, hungover, but I want to see if they had that same little thing that St. Thomas had against USCB. I think USCB is going to take two or three up in South Carolina this weekend against Kaiser. They've really turned a corner, and I'm going to have – uh, Sandshark player on next week, hopefully, we're trying to get that lined up. A little bit more difficult when it's somebody in South Carolina or somebody in Lakeland. You know, that's a 
40 minute drive from where I stay at. Uh, you know, Weber, Warner, Southeastern, that's easy. And we talk about it a little bit further, then we have to set up a, a Zoom meeting. But Kaiser is currently 24th in the country. They're facing a USCB team that's just under 500. I think the Sand Sharks might be the best below 500 baseball team in the entire NAIA. And I'm really excited to see how the Sand Sharks match up against the Seahawks. I really like Kyron Russ and Lenny Castro at the top of that lineup for USCB, both batting in the high 300s. Uh, Castro looking to get his 10th home run. They're both fluttering around that 30 RBI mark. And I got high hopes for the Sand Sharks to take one or two against Kaiser. However, what if last weekend against Weber, Kaiser, or excuse me, Weber's bats weren't just didn't just go cold for the weekend? What if Kaiser has found something in their pitching staff and their bullpen? And if that's the case, watch the, the hell out. Garrett Rees and Danny Gallivan, they're, they're having good years. They're both having pretty darn good years. But if they become two of the top seven, eight pitchers in the Sun Conference, oh, Lord. No, 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 no. Kaiser becomes the second best team in the conference. Kaiser becomes the second best team in this conference if they also figure out their bullpen. Brandon McCabe, boy, he looked solid out of the pen against Weber. Boy, he shut those lineups down when they tried to rally in the first and second games. We know what the Seahawks are doing at the plate with seven guys batting over 300, including Tim Bouchard with his 12 home runs and Sun Conference leading 54 RBIs, second in the entire NAIA. Are those numbers a little inflated because they play at Sylvester Field, a hitter's part? Maybe, but guess what? What? Their offensive numbers away from West Palm Beach are looking just as good as right at home. And Kaiser can get really scary really fast if they turn things around here this, these last few weeks and they head into the Sun Conference Tournament with two solid pitchers that will go seven, eight innings. If you guys in the bullpen get hot for Kaiser – Stretch across, stretch those games until they can get Gallivan and Rees back. Know what they have in Brandon McCabe? Oh boy, oh boy, these Seahawks that I've been a little hard on. Oh Lord, here we go. They're gonna look solid, and they're gonna be scary. And I got a feeling that they found this podcast. And they're like, oh, we're not. You don't think we're one of the top three, four teams? Okay, we'll watch. I'm a little worried about that. Not gonna lie. Do I think they're one of the top three teams in the Sun Conference? As of right now, I got to say it. As of right now, I have to say, yeah. Why? They just swept Weber, who I thought was the second best team. I'm not going to bump St. Thomas down. They took two or three against USCB. Team they probably should have swept, but still, baseball happens. And I'm going to be really interested in what the polls are going to say next week for baseball when they come out. They'll come out every two weeks right now. Weber's still 13th. Just lost three of their last four. Excuse me, four of their last five. Swept by Kaiser. Split with Ave. Team they should have won two games against. Now I'm sure the 13th ranked Warriors, if they welcome in Southeastern and they take a game or two, I don't think they'll drop too far. However, they're going to drop a little bit unless they do win the series against Southeastern, which is a Mount Everest to climb. And if you don't believe me, talk about this next thing, the Warner Royals. Warner does not like the fact I don't have them as one of the top three. They don't like it more than Kaiser 
I think, doesn't like it. I don't know if Kaiser didn't like it or not. They said we're on a 20-game win streak. We're the hottest team in the NAIA. NAIA ball just said if there's a team in the Sun Conference to, that could beat, take two or three or sweep Southeastern, they'd be the team. <laughs> they got outscored 34 to 4, 5. What was it? 6, 34 to 6. There it is. 34 to 6. And honestly, I'm surprised there wasn't more. Because Rob Adams had his B stuff against them. And his B stuff was eight innings of one run ball. So they have a big series this weekend against Ave Maria. Ave, a little bit tough start to the Sun Conference play. They got swept by Weber. They just split with Weber in a midweek matchup earlier. And I think that Warner is going to come back. I think they will bounce back. And it'll take a couple against Ave. And the hype train will start again for the Royals. However, that team down Ave Maria is young. They're hungry. They've tasted a little bit of blood. They've got their footing under Mountain Sun Conference. Brandon Willoughby, he's a freshman, looking good. Jose Gonzalez, he just broke the RBI record for Ave. He's over 45 RBIs. Congratulations, Mr. Gonzalez. And he'll be on the podcast here very soon. And I'd really love nothing more. And it's and it, it detach the names, detach Warner, detach Ave. I'd love nothing more than to see a unranked Ave unranked Sun Conference team beat a top twenty Sun Conference team. Why 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 would you say that, Reagan? That doesn't make any sense. You know, Warner has a chance if they do well to make a regional. Ave's chances of doing that aren't looking too good right now. I want to see that because one, Ave is a young team that I think's got a lot of potential. And I called their series, and boy, do they they play fun baseball. They play fun baseball. They lead the Sun Conference far and away in stolen bases. I think right now it's six guys that are in double digits, two guys over twenty stolen bases on the year. But the main reason for it is I want to show how competitive this conference really is. And this can be said the same for USCB and Kaiser this weekend. I want to see USCB and I want to see Ave put up a hell of a fight against two of the best teams in the country. Because this conference is an absolute gauntlet. I think you took, if you could take Warner, who fourth or fifth best team, Ave, who I don't really know, I guess fifth or sixth best team in the conference, and you put them in some of the other conferences in the NAIA, such as that Appalachian or Golden State Athletics Crossroads League. And I could keep going. I could look I could go to NAA.org baseball and I could just look at all the conferences and I would say, and I have looked before and I, I looked the other day, I'd say there's probably seven, eight conferences where you could drop Ave Maria, Warner, Kaiser, St. Thomas, Weber, and Southeastern drop. Those six, who I think are the top, top six teams, and probably even USCB, who's the seventh, the seventh, seventh, they're the seventh best team. Them and Hoppe are the sixth and seventh best teams in this conference. You could drop them in a lot of conferences in the NAIA, and they're winning the conference. That's why I hate this whole, there should only be X amount of teams in a conference making regionals. Bullshit. And don't get me wrong. 
Do I think the Sun Conference is going should at all send six, seven teams? No, hell no. But four? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I do. Southeastern, Weber, St. Thomas, Kaiser. Right now, all regional teams, all teams that I would pick to most likely win their regionals, depending on who they play, of course. You know, you line up against Tennessee, Wesleyan with Warner, or excuse not Warner, uh, Weber. Um, you know, that's going to be a tough one. But I still want to see it. I want to see Weber if, say, things don't go great for them and they end up getting bounced out in the semifinals of the Sun Conference against Southeastern and they don't make a regional, I will riot. I will be irate. Okay, running a little long here. So what happens when I don't take notes for an episode to keep me on track up over 20 minutes, not to mention we already have an interview. So we'll talk a little bit of softball. Um, Warner takes on Thomas. That's the main matchup that I'm, I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Two teams right outside the top 25. Warner coming off a hell of a series sweeping Kaiser. And a midweek sweep of the Florida National University Conquistadors. And if Tiffany Dodds gets back in the circle and does what she did, two complete game shutouts coming out of the bullpen doing insane against the Seahawks. If she comes back out in the circle and does that against the Nighthawks, whose bats have now shown and they go up against elite pitching, Kayla Swenson and Jenna Shadoin of the Weber International University Warriors are coming right back to the neck of the woods. They'll be in Lake Wales against Warner. I don't know. I, I think Warner has turned their season around. I think I might be Warner softball's good luck charm. <laughs> because when I started the podcast a couple weeks ago, they were a few games below 500. Don't remember exactly how many, but I remember looking, thinking, I thought Warner was a little bit better at softball. And ever since I started talking about it, oh, yeah, they have. They're 19-5. and five. They're on a five-game winning streak. And in those five games, they haven't allowed more than three runs in any of them. They allowed three to Kaiser and three to FNU. Shutouts in two of them and a one-run victory in a 2-1 game against FNU on Tuesday. So Warner has shown they don't even need their bats to do great. Their pitching is stout. However, Thomas University Nighthawks just completed one of the more thrilling sweeps across baseball or softball, beating St. Thomas in Thomasville, Georgia, with a walk-off 5-4 win, a 3-2 win, and a 7-6 win. I don't know what y'all know about winning games that close, but they can change your seasons. Thomas, they've had a good season. They tripped up against Weber. I think St. Thomas, obviously, they're not quite on that Weber-Warner level in softball, at least the way Warner's been playing. But I'm really interested in this is the best matchup in softball in the Sun Conference. I want to see the Nighthawks line up, led by Adriana K- Killingsworth, with her four home runs and 27 RBIs, batting right at 400 against that Warner pitching staff. I think it'll be a great series in Lake Wells. If I have time to drive over and take a look at um, the series, I, w- I will. Can't promise it. As I've said, I've got uh, Weber – Baseball to call. Also going to try to watch Weber lacrosse. Again, I told y'all that. No point in going and keep talking about that. Um, Coastal Georgia, I think they're just going to continue to roll. They take on Ave Maria. Ave Maria, they've gotten back to – or actually fell down to 500 after getting up to 500 
Um, I got bad news for the gyrenes. They're just going to keep on sliding. Coastal Georgia's a wagon. I, and I got to get up with uh, their coach. I cannot find any contact information with them, but I want to get some Mariner players and their head coach on talk about their season. They're 27-3, and three, top 10 in the country, and they're just going to keep on uh, rolling. And let's, I mean, let's just be honest. If we want to have a team do something on the national level in the Sun Conference, it's going to need to be Coastal Georgia. Um, Southeastern, they definitely can do it. I think Weber can too, especially with how Kayla Swenson and Jenna Shodoween have been in the, pitching in the circle for the Warriors. But I've said it since day one of this podcast. Look, it's, the Sun Conference is Coastal Georgia's to lose. That's just how it is. Don't get me wrong. I want Weber to win everything. Like it, don't like it. I don't like. I've said I don't. I don't care. I, I I want Weber to win, and I think they have a shot. But God, they got to go through Coastal Georgia. I mean, they Southeastern. I think they're the second best team. Claire Seconder, the freshman for the Fire out of New Orleans, Louisiana. Go Saints, by the way. Um, and she she'll be one of the top five pitchers when when we make a starting five rotation. Now, it's not typically what it is a softball, but. When I do my all-conference team, she'll be in there most definitely. I mean, she's got a 1.26 ERA. She's also a freshman, so she's going to be a problem with the fire. Uh, they put her out there against Coach Georgia, and she shut them down. She shut down probably the best lineup in the NAIA. One hit shut out uh, in the midweek series, but then it was Coastal Georgia. They, they, they won a close one in game two, dominated in game three. And that's just pretty much pussy worm. I, I don't see a way Coastal Georgia is not going to win it unless, you know, Seconder goes out there, d- does it again, and the bats get on fire at some point. Or Jenna Shodoween, Kayla Swenson, if they combine for two huge games in the conference tournament. I cannot wait for conference tournament. I cannot wait for the baseball and softball conference tournament. It is going to be awesome. And also, I'll be really into it because those will probably be the last episodes of Sun Conference or really get a chance to do outside of just doing some interviews and whatnot. Okay, kind of uh, running a little bit long. Oh, um, if you're an Atlanta Braves fan, Matt Olson just hit a home run in spring training. I'm a big Braves fan, by the way. We need to do an episode where y'all just learn stuff about me. We'll do that one day. Uh, Southeastern's playing uh, Florida Memorial down in Miami Gardens. Look. Southeastern, their top 20 team, Flomo, they're 1-15 on the year. Uh, best of luck to the Lions, Lady Lions, but i got to say uh, I believe Southeastern will go down there, take care of business. That brings us to Weber going down to West Palm Beach as their softball team travels down there to take on Kaiser, looking to avenge the baseball team that didn't do too hot against them. And Find me a better pitcher, or excuse me, duo of pitchers than Kayla Swenson and Jenna Shodoween. I've said it a couple times already on the show, but these two ladies have been lights out in the circle. And I think that will continue against a struggling Kaiser team who is struggling to stay within uh, half of their losses with their wins. I worded that weird. They're 11 and 19. I think they'll have twice as many losses than they have wins at the end of the series down there in West Palm Beach. What I want to see from the Warriors down there this weekend, I want to see that lineup take a step forward. They're led by Kelsey Friend and Mary Maggard. Uh, They're having great years. I want to see the rest. I want to see Brandi Barkwin, Abigail Thompson. She's having a good year too, another senior. But if Weber's lineup could get right there, maybe not quite as good as that Coastal Georgia lineup, 
when they get just as good, oh yeah, then they're on. Then they, I think there's a very good chance they can avenge that championship, that conference championship loss last year to the Mariners. But this is a very senior-led team for Weber. And that means this is their last shot. This is their last chance to go out there and win conference. And now's the time to show their lineup can do it. Their pitching staff has done it. They got the pitching. The pitching is there. In fact, they may have better pitching than anybody in the Sun Conference. But the bats have got to get a little better. And if they do, and God, I mean, they go out there and they're giving Shodoween and Swenson six, five, six, seven runs a game, good luck. Good luck being in this Weber team. Okay, I've gone way over, got on my soapbox, which I want to start doing more. I think this episode was a lot more enjoyable. I didn't write down stats to read and all that crap for this episode. I got real. You know, I, I feel like this is a solid episode. We're going up on about 30 minutes. I'm about to send it over. You're going to listen to the interview of Brian Fuentes and myself. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, this is all me and Brian from here on out. Thanks. Have a good one. Okay, folks. So we've had something a little bit different happen. We, this was supposed to be the part where we had Brian Fuentes. Um, I was on my way to Lakeland to interview him. Uh, something personal for uh, Mr. Brian's come up. Uh, we might discuss it on the podcast maybe next week. Uh, I'd just rather not share any personal information without talking to him about it first. Uh, just going to say, uh, let's just send up some thoughts and prayers to Brian. Um I'll just leave it at that. Uh, So instead, we're going to add in the interview with Southeastern's head women's basketball coach, Tim Hayes. And uh, here is myself and Coach Hayes. Let me, as you were were saying, uh, baseball started up. I became the play-by-play announcer for Weber. I've come to a couple of Southeastern games. It was a lot of fun. Watching Southeastern baseball, it's it's not like watching NAIA baseball. Right, right. It is Division One baseball. Yeah. And I'm really excited to be able to call the series yeah. uh, this weekend. I'm actually meeting with Brian Fuentes okay. before, uh, okay. before, right before they get on the bus. Uh, I'm going to come back up here and do the nice. interview with him. But, um, you know, I've I noticed that the Sun Conference, it has a, it, a lot of tradition. There's a lot of great teams down here. Kaiser. Weber, the Weber Warner rivalry. Every sport it gets heated. So fun, yeah. Southeastern, and I was like, why don't we have somebody covering this on a podcast or in some sort of media to talk right. about? Because who really knows? I mean, nobody at Weber knew that Southeastern is one of the best women's basketball teams in the country in the right. NBA, right? And probably not at Kaiser, you know, outside of the coaches so why not start talking about it sure i mean you guys what we got 33 and 2 this year 33 and 2 yeah okay yeah yeah and um this so now we're recording this way start into it so uh what's up suncast listeners my name is reagan harrell you know that i'm here with the head coach of women's basketball at southeastern university coach tim hayes fresh off of a final four appearance coach how you doing man good man thanks good. for having me appreciate it yes sir so i was looking at your bio and all that you know mm-hmm. And you look for years two, and you just finished off year, what, 13, 14 of being a head coach? Um, 16. 16, wow. Mm-hmm. I look, I was looking at that, I'm like, it's pretty, pretty normal. You know, it started off at Colorado Christian, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about that here at Southeast. And I noticed 
you pl- you were head coach in Australia. Yeah. For how long? How long that? Just a year. Yeah, five seasons. Five seasons. Um, the way wow. we did that there was it was um, you would go back and forth to seasons. So there there was the top pro league and the secondary pro league, and they would alternate seasons. So um, I had a chance to go three and a half years, but back to back seasons for five. Oh. So um, and then jumped into Colorado Christian from there. So how'd you end up in Australia? I mean, is this just something you've been interested in coaching uh, outside of the U S or is it just opportunity? How'd yeah. That uh, like most things in my uh, life, my, uh, my wife uh, <laughs> opened the door. Um, yeah. <laughs> she, uh, her and I met at Boise state. We both played at Boise state. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, she was the, by far the more talented basketball player. Um, <laughs> beat me in a dunk contest once. Funny oh, fact. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, and so she, uh, we, we had gotten done with college basketball and um, both trying to figure out careers, what we wanted to do. Uh, both started coaching. So she was coaching at a Division two school. Uh, I was doing some high school and individual training stuff. Um, and then uh, I ended up getting a Division one assistant job at Montana State. Well, uh, during that time, she was still trying to figure out what she wanted to do. Uh, had an opportunity to play professionally in Australia. And so I followed um, and she took the opportunity. I followed and went to visit ended up taking over the club she was playing for. Oh, wow. um, so became the GM and head coach. Uh, and so basically we got to do that together. So I coached my wife for five seasons. Oh, wow. We're still married. You know, it, it worked out She okay. was your wife at the time? Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. That, yeah. Did you have to like pull her out of a game or anything? She get mad at you for sitting or anything? She was an eye roller. Uh, so oh. I made her run lines and then I slept on the couch. So uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's kind of, it was one of those things where a uh, really crazy experience to, to be, I mean, one with your wife, Traveling the world, playing yeah. highest level of ball. I mean, there was WNBA players, national team players in our league, um, and so uh, phenomenal experience. And I was young. I mean, you know, we were mid twenties, uh, and I got to be a head pro coach for five seasons and um, won a championship there. Um, and so, uh, what we ultimately said though is that's a long ways from home. Uh, and yeah. we, we hadn't yeah. seen family for you know almost three years, and so. Uh, we had to make a tough decision. We loved it there. Had to make a tough decision and go, okay, we probably should get back to the States. Um, if we're going to start a family, that kind of thing, we need to be back. And um, and so we just, we targeted certain parts of the country that we wanted to live in. Denver was one of those. Um, so Colorado Christian became an option. Um, probably the lowest funded Division two school in the country. They um, were uh, NCCAA when you got there, right? Both. So yeah. so dual affiliated. Um, so division NCAA Division two playing in the RMAC. Uh, which is historically a very tough Division II conference, yeah. uh, and then uh, NCCAA. So a lot of the sports there, the reason they kept that dual affiliation, a lot of the sports were not competitive at Division II. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they played in this Division II league, yeah. but really were the school was built more like an NCCAA school mm-hmm. um, from a scholarshiping standpoint, that kind of stuff. So so we we fortunately had the ability and and. Broke, broke the ice and took our team to a couple of NCAA tournaments and yeah. um, won a couple of championships there. And so they won a national championship uh, in 13? The NCC, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Won the that? NCCAA. And so so just a great experience, but it, it, it taught us how to maximize resources and, yeah. and to take something that historically wasn't all that successful and try to build a culture around winning when that wasn't even talked about at the time when we got there. Uh, it was just, hey, keep your kids out of trouble and, yeah. you know, hey, make them, you know, bring in nice kids. And uh, that was the expectation was to win the sportsmanship, you know, award every year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, coming from so something you and I have in 
common. We both come from a Division II school. I played my first uh, year of football at Lincoln University Division II program and transferred to Weber. So you and I, I think we made the right decisions coming from from up north down south to a little bit warmer weather. Mm -hmm. But uh, what what would you say the difference is at like a Division II level of competition? Y'all did play Division II competition Mm -hmm. versus NAIA competition. Um, you know, I think I think there's uh, there's a little bit more parity in Division Two, meaning, you know, the the funding structure is is similar across the board uh, for Division Twos. I mean, there's definitely some that are underfunded, uh, but there's just a little bit more parity. Um, NAI, what you find is, you know, there's some schools that you know really really solid funding, um, really competitive, and then there's some schools that literally are just, hey, we want to we'll have an athletic program, but they're not necessarily trying to win championships and. Um, you know, I think that was one of the challenges initially here was, you know, we were somewhere in between. We were not. I mean, I think Southeastern's got a great reputation, uh, but we still are not a fully funded program. Uh, we're still not, um, you know, where some of the teams are that are playing for and competing for national championships. And so, uh, but there was an intentionality here to at least want to be competitive. And I think that was what I really, uh, what drew me to this was, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily the switch from D2 to NAI, uh, but it was more what was the structure and build of the university and how did they, how did they view athletics? Um, coming from a school where uh, it was really just admissions driven. It was, you know, hey, you're going to have a, a varsity and a JV and we just need to get as many athletes in as possible to help us keep school going. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of schools are like that and that's okay. Yeah. But, but I really wanted to be in a place where outcomes mattered enough to where there was going to be decisions made um, to be able to help build a program like we have now where we knew we could build it. We just needed to know that there was going to be administration that was going to be behind that kind of success. Right. You know, something that uh, really surprised me coming from a NCAA Division II program to NAIA, I thought the level of competition, at least on the football side, would be a step down. It has been absolutely nothing like that and I'd say even there are many teams we play like Kaiser Southeastern mm-hmm. we uh, we had the opportunity to play the Fing National Champions Lindsey Wilson mm-hmm. who I think would compete we played in the MIAA uh, mm-hmm. Lincoln University mm-hmm. did and it's one of the best conferences for football mm-hmm. uh, in Division 2 and I think there's a lot of teams that in the Mid-South at the time and now in the Sun Conference mm-hmm. that could very well go and compete with yeah. the top team North I know North, uh, I'm sure you played Northwest Missouri State. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. their men's team, they just finished off their 3P in Division II. They have a strong yeah. women's team, too, at Division II. But the, the level of competition in AI, I, mean, would you, I don't think there's much of a drop-down as far as football and baseball, which I, right. I, I have the opportunity to cover with Weber, too. Would you say the level mm-hmm. of competition in NAI pretty similar? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, looking back over the years, and a lot of these we have to play as exhibitions because a lot of Division Twos and Division Ones won't play us in a regular season game. Uh, we ask every year because uh, we're not afraid of the competition. But, uh, but we, you know, right now I think we're we're four and one against Division One schools, yeah. wow. uh, with the only loss being to Florida Gulf Coast, and that was a very good game, very close game. Um, and then, you know, Division Twos. I think now we're eight and one wow. um, against Division Twos, um, and so, you know. If that's any comparison, um, you know, I think I think there, like you said, there's some really, really good division or NAI teams that that certainly can measure up to some NCAA schools. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to tell you a little about your time in Australia outside of basketball. I mean, how was that? I mean, not a lot of people get the opportunity to go and live a few years in Australia. Just what were some of your favorite parts about living uh, way down under? Uh, you know, one of the one of the coolest cultures you could ever be a part of. I mean, the the 
it's almost like go back, you know, go back 50, 60 years in America where, you know, family time was, was valued right. uh, over industry, over, you know, work. And so there was a, there was a very balanced life. Nobody worked past five o'clock. Whatever. Um, nope. That was frowned upon. Um, family time is valued. Um, stores would close seven seven thirty, so you had to you had to be off at five to get to the store and get groceries yeah. and um, and and you know just things like that. Everybody everybody took time away, um, you know, and so there was a required one month vacation for everybody. You had to take a month. Uh, like, of like, vacation. like a full 30 days or you could like split it up and people did both but okay. it was it was a requirement um wow you know that you take that because they were so worried about people burning out and yep. you know you look at you look at how we go about things in the states and it's like yeah that happens all the time man like yeah, gotta go gotta go you know, gotta go so <laughs> um you know a very cool culture very you know hospitality oriented so you know my wife and i would go on walks um sometimes and and everybody would have you know a, a, a coffee pot um, and cookies literally by their door. And if you walk by, they would call you in and be like, Hey, come up for a second, you know, have a cup of, have a cup of with us. And you, you have a cup of, you know, a cup of Joe and, and, uh, and cookies. And, you know, by the time you get done with the walk, you'd have five cups of coffee and be wired the whole night. But it's, it, it just, everybody was very, it, you know, it was a community, no matter what city you were in, in Australia, it was a community where they, they, they bought into getting to know people. And, um, you know, so that lifestyle I could get used to. It just happened to be a long way from home. Yeah, I mean, what, what, um, what's even the flight? Well, you were in the western part of the U.S. Right. at the time. What do you, how long even is that? Uh, well, I mean, just Sydney to L.A. And it depends on where you are in Australia because it's obviously another massive oh, yeah, country. Right. Uh, and we lived in Perth at one point, which was the far western side. Oh, so closer right. to South Africa. Right, yeah. Okay. Uh, at one point. And so, um, but just Sydney to L.A. is a 14-hour direct flight. So, you know, so it's, it, it's a full... It's a full day, no matter how you look at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was a long ways, but, you know, lifestyle, um, the culture, even athletics was really different there. Um, the best players, some of the best players in the world come from Australia uh, in our sport. And so um, even there, they walk down the street and everybody's on equal terms. Nobody's gawking at them. Nobody's snapping selfies with them. Nobody's, they're just like, hey, how you doing? You know, and it's, it's like the you, top level athletes. It's yeah. just another guy. They're, they're a part of the culture. And so wow. um, there they call that uh, tall poppy syndrome. So basically nobody wants to be, nobody wants to put themselves ahead of everybody else. Right. They may be elite at what they do, but they don't see themselves as better than, you know, we're in a, we're in a culture in the States where, you know, clearly people desire to be in those power positions and put themselves yeah. ahead of it. And it's an image driven thing there. It's literally the opposite. Um, you know, so, you know, uh, some of the, some of the biggest stars you could just hang out with and go have a cup of coffee with. And it wasn't like they, they enjoyed being a part of their country and their identities more in the whole of their culture. You're really making me want to pick up and it's worth it, man. Yeah, I mean, at least for it's a couple of years, it. when I get done at Weber. One of the coolest places I've ever been. I mean, it's, yeah. it's awesome. So, okay, I do have one thing to say about Southeastern. Love I, this is probably this is one of the most beautiful camps I've been on. Y'all got to get more parking spots. Y'all have got to. <laughs> Tell me about more. it. I spent about as much time driving from Lake Wells here looking for to a trying to find a spot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my god, where can I find a parking spot? Yo, listen, half the time coaches can't even park. So yeah, yeah man, it's I, I get it. I mean, we've. Southeastern has grown so fast that infrastructure needs to catch up a little bit. Like yeah. we need a parking garage or something somewhere where it's, you know, yeah, stacked yeah. somewhere. Uh, but no, that's, 
I guess that's the good bad of this is it's, no, it's grown. Yeah, it's no, grown. It's, it's a beautiful camp. I came yeah. here for the first time this past weekend yeah. to watch Warner play Southeastern in baseball. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is it an NAIA facility? I mean, the, the score, I mean, the football field is yeah. beautiful. That's all yeah. to the baseball field. One of my one of the favorite baseball fields is a giant wall out there. Yeah. I'm like, if I was playing baseball and I hit a absolute nuke and it hits this 20 foot a wall, wall out there, I, yeah. would, I would be pissed off. But yeah, yeah so, um, You've won, I believe, five or six conference championships at this point. Six in a row, yeah. So six yeah. in a row. Okay, so you have the same number as Michael Jordan, and you also have some other. Uh, the and you got rings for those, right? You got. Did you get rings for winning a um, conference? Believe it or not, we don't buy rings. We okay. think that national championships are worthy of that, okay. um, and that's not to sound you know arrogant. No, we just we just feel like our our, and this is institutionally um, that. You know, our goal and aspiration is to be the best in the country. Okay. Um, and as much as we're going to value that accomplishment, it's a step in the process. Right, so, so you've even won the conference. And see, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to put up, I'm trying to spin zone this, and I'm saying Tim Hayes greater than MJ. I do have the winning, you have a better winning percentage than Michael <laughs> Jordan. So, I mean, we're starting to, we start getting into Not a comparison, bit. let me tell you. But not a comparison, but, no. you know, but we've, we've been very fortunate to have, you know, have the success we've had. And, no, no. Um, you know, some amazing players and, and people have come through here that have really launched this program to a different level. I mean, we, we every year have players that are, Division One starters and Division One All Conference players, and yeah. um, and so we've been very fortunate to you know to to have some of these incredible players come through. I mean, Mackenzie Keehan, who is a starter at the University of Kentucky, you wow. know, drops that her senior year, comes down here to play for us for a year. Um, you know, those are those are just things you can't. You know, every every year we've had a national player of the year candidate every year, six years. Um, you know, that's unique. It's just different. So. You know, the, the success is going to be duplicated as long as we have great people involved. And, and, and each year we've been able to, to find great people. Um, and they've come here and, and love the culture. And so that's, that's empowered that success. But, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, and we certainly are proud of what we've done in the Sun Conference. Um, and we know that every year we have to come back and be a better version of ourselves than we were the year before. Or somebody's going to catch us. So uh, we have never let down our guard. We don't. You know, we don't overlook anybody. We, we prepare for every game of conference the same way we prepare for the Final Four. And I, and I mean that literally. Um, you know, same amount of effort and energy. And, and um, I'm sure this brings up bad memories. Y'all have gotten right there. Almost every year y'all been there, it seems like y'all are right on that step. So this year you lose. Y'all lost to Dort. Dort, really? yeah. By, by, by a point in the Final Four. I mean, just in, in my opinion, I think winning a championship at any collegiate level with basketball is the hardest to do you don't believe it, go look at March Madness. Yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah, whoever, yeah. Yeah, whoever. It, yeah. It, basketball is one of the more fluid sports. And football um, and somewhat baseball, sure, it could be any given day, but you get basketball. basketball right. Your main shooter's ice cold, and their shooter just isn't going to miss. Time you know? goes, you can, get, yeah. you can get beat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so what – What's needed for y'all to make that next step? Obviously, y'all are one of the best programs in the nation. Y'all have been the best for the last five, six years. What's that next step that you're looking to make to put y'all officially over the top? Um, you know, what you realize is, is, you know, we've had, I mean, shoot, five out of our six years here, uh, we've been within a game. Yeah. Um, we've been there. And so, you know, in, in one of those years, 
um, a year where I think we, we hands down would have gone and won the thing. Um, and we're in that kind of mentality, that kind of mode. Uh, we get to the national tournament in the round of 32, beat a team by 60. Um, you know, that team wasn't going to lose. And so, and then COVID canceled it. So, oh so literally right after our game, we were walking off the floor and PA announcer comes on and says, we're going to evacuate the building. We're canceling the tournament due to COVID. Wow. Um, seven seniors on that team. They don't get a redo. There's no redo. So, That's um, oh so gosh. we, so we, you know, yeah, we've been incredibly close in more ways than one. Um, what you find out is, is like you said, I mean, with the, with the, length of a season like this. I mean, it's the longest sport season yeah. of any. Uh, clearly, we're, we're six and a half months. Yeah, uh, well, October, I mean, I interrupt you, all the way October to well, um, yeah, all just ended. Into March, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you think about that and you go, that's a, that's a long haul to keep your, your team focused, to keep them healthy, to keep yeah. them going, um, to make adjustments, all those things throughout the year. Um, you know, and we've been that close five out of six years. And so, um, you know, I think what's needed, um, I think we've got to do the things that have gotten us there five times. Um, you know, the ball has to bounce your way sometimes. Um, you know, this year we get to the Final Four. I think we're the, you know, competitively the better team of the two in the Final Four. Um, and, you know, we have two All-American post players. And, you know, I think at one point in that game we were combined, those two were combined 6 of 28 from the floor. Uh, typically 60, 65% field goal shooters. So, yeah, if shots don't fall, sometimes yeah. that's it. And it comes down to a one-point deal, yeah. uh, you know, end-of-game deal where a kid hits a free throw with three seconds left to beat us. Um, you know, some sometimes, I don't want to say luck, but sometimes the ball does have to bounce your way a little bit. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's sports in there. you got to be a little lucky. I mean, luck, luck you got to get a call. you got to get yeah. a, a bounce. you gotta, you got to have, a, uh, you know, a play go your way. No, yeah, I, mean, I was yeah. for, I was fortunate in my junior year in high school. We won a state championship. Yeah. Came down two seconds left. The other team's kicker went to go kick a 25-yard field goal, and he just hit it off the uprights. So he That's hits that, that ball two inches to the uh, left. Game over. Game over. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's a little bit of luck. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, just, I, I've read your bio. I looked at. I mean, right. you, you don't fall into only losing three, four games every year by luck. You right. guys have a wonderful program, in my opinion. I, if I could put money on it, obviously not, I would bet y'all to win the national championship right. every year. I think right. y'all have the culture. Right. Um, I mean, just talking with you, I, I, I believe Southeastern women's basketball is in the right hands. Yeah. I mean, the Southeastern as a whole, I think, is one of the best teams in the NAIA. In all athletics, right. um, just how right. has how has Southeastern as a whole? You know, baseball's obviously they're in a league of their own. It's right. almost like in the NAI, it's, it's Southeastern. It feels like everybody right. else is trying to catch up. Yes, this yep. year, and then football is a league, basketball is a league, cross country and track. What? How has Southeastern been able to do that? How have they been able to put a put their stamp on not only the Sun Conference yeah. but the NAI? Um. You know, I think I think from the outside in, I, and I've heard this before, you know, people I think are looking at us going, oh, you guys have different resources, different things. We have a beautiful campus. Uh, there's a great draw to that. Um, there's a lot of great campuses across the country. There's a lot of, there's beautiful, I mean, you, you go to some places in the Midwest and, you know, the, there's Division One facilities. Um, and so I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily just, hey, we just have more than everybody else. Um, what I think is uh, ultimately it's, it comes down to a culture of expectation. Um, you know, the coaches that are coaching those sports, 
um, are not satisfied if they don't win a national title. So that's what I mean by we don't buy rings for conference championships because that is an expectation. That's not a dream. That's the expectation. Um, that's that's solid work that has to get done year after year. Um, you know, the national championship is 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 ultimately what you know what we now see as that's expected. Um, you know, there's lots to be said about expectation, and then backing that up with the work ethic. I mean, if you watch our baseball team work, if you watch, they're they're talented, uh, but they work extremely hard. Um, and, and there's a no-nonsense expectation of this is who we need to be, and if you're not on board with that, then you're not here. Um, and, and we're in the same boat. I mean, we, we've had players transfer here from, you know, you know, power five type schools. Like Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. I mean, right. we, you know, um, Texas, West Virginia. I mean, I could go down the list. Um, and, and not necessarily be the standouts on this team. And so the, the expectation, we don't, we won't back off for anybody. Uh, we don't, we, you know, our preseason every year, we're going to go play the best teams in the country and we're going to go pick a fight on their home court. We'll go play them on their home court. Um, and so, you know, I think there's just an expectation of this is who we are, this is what we do. Um, and, and until that, you know, we finally do get that championship, we still expect it every year. And Absolutely. we know how close we've been. So, um, so I'd say that's that's a consensus. Is you know, if you if you talk to Coach Dots and if you talk to Coach Dinkle, if you talk to, you know, you can go across the board with those teams you mentioned. Um, the coaches would be saying the same thing. Like we're building to win a national title, and we're not going to make excuses about it. We expect that of our kids, and we expect that of ourselves as coaches. So, you know, I, I think I think some some teams kind of toy around with it and go, you know, oh, that's that a dream somewhere out there and I think what we've said is no it's an expectation and we're gonna go figure it out right you know if your car's not running you fix it yeah uh, you know yeah. it's, it's not a hey I, I, someday I hope my car runs you know it's not that's a necessity let's go figure out how to make it run um, and that's what we do is we take what we have and we try to say that's the expectation that's that's the foundation of what we do is we're gonna be a championship level team I got you and so I have to ask you I think I mean but the last 20, coming on 25 minutes, I mean, there's no doubt I think Southeastern women's basketball is in wonderful hands. But something else I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you about. So you said you went to Boise State. Uh, did you go to any football games there? Yeah, I loved it. And actually, um, it was pretty cool. I got to work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and got okay. to be, um, help be a part of the program as a chaplain and got oh, to wow. speak, you know, at bowl games and different things. And, um, and so, uh, you know, phenomenal shift of culture so when when my wife and I were there um Boise State was actually one of the worst teams in the country um and within a five-year period um and a few coaching changes and things happened yeah. you know there was there was a major shift and again it came down to culture uh, they were not the most resourced clearly not the most resourced division one program still are not close um and so you know when you're talking about power some of the power fives and what those schools have is unbelievable and so um, there was a there was such a culture of excellence and expectation um, that that carried them much further than what their practical resources were. And so, to be honest, the way we run our program here very similar. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not that we just have everything we need given to us. It's you know we're not going to make excuse for it, and we're going to recruit people who are going to be in that same mindset. Um, you know, it's funny because I also got recruited to play basketball at Gonzaga. Oh, wow. And so was that when Gonzaga was like now, or is that a little bit? First Elite Eight was the year I said no to him. Oh wow! 
So, uh, Mark Few was the coach? Yep. Still Mark Few, yep. Um, and Dan Munson uh, was there right before. Uh, and Few was, you know, the guy on my recruiting position. He was with me the whole time. And, um, and I can tell you that so much of the excellence there, again, when I went on that visit, they hadn't built their new arena. They were playing in a high, like what looked like a high school gym, yeah. uh, the old kennel, called the kennel. And um, so much of it was about the culture and the expectation and finding the right people. And when you find the right people and you're all on board with a vision and a mission that you're, that you're after, um, you know, success starts to duplicate quickly. Um, and so it's cool because I've been able to take pieces of what they, who they were when I was a player, like, and be able to kind of see that firsthand, like how I was recruited, um, the, the level of excellence that was portrayed in that process. Um, and then going to Boise State and watching football, um, you know, really take off and how they did that. Um, I've been very fortunate to be able to kind of watch that and go, oh, okay, there's some common ingredients to these things. Um, and then bring that here and try to try to duplicate. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga is obviously one of the more well-known at least basketball in mm-hmm. Division One. Uh, did you make a bracket this year? Nope. Didn't make a bracket. Oh, to man. be honest, never have time or worry about it. You know, yeah. uh, we're we're we are full throttle <laughs> oh, sure. uh, yeah. SEU and NAI until we're done. So just the last few days, I've watched more basketball outside of us than I've seen all year long. Yeah. I didn't even have uh, I don't even have cable, so I don't even have a way I didn't even have a way to watch sports yeah. uh, outside of our own film and stuff. So, um, so yeah, this time of year is fun though because you get to kind of follow. But yeah, yeah, no, I haven't haven't watched a whole lot. No, yeah, I mean uh, Division One college basketball. I, I start I'll look at it probably around conference tournament. Oh, this team just won a tournament. I'll put them in like I when yeah. they lose the first round. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. I think my brackets are like probably like. 30-something percent. Well, and clearly like, within yeah. the first, what, round, two rounds, it was like 99.9% of brackets were. Yeah, I mean. I mean St. Like, Peter's. Who's like, St. Like, exactly. <laughs> I mean, who looks like, I mean, they're, I'm sure they're, you've seen NAI facilities that are just as good, if not better, than that Division One yes. team. And they go and beat the, one of the best teams in the country. Team I had in the Final Four. Yeah. Ruined my bracket. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. no, yeah. Um, so, you came from, uh, you've looked, I said, you, were, were you from, like, around the Boise area, the Pacific I was. I grew West? up in Eastern Oregon, okay. um, about two hours west. I got you. So, so you've lived up there that, your whole life, and you go to Australia, which I'm sure was a warmer state, and then you come back. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of one of the reasons you came to Southeastern, and get a little bit into the warmer weather again, to get sick of the cold, or just how did you get over here? To, you uh, know, um, I enjoy that because it's a, it's a way to recruit athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's 72 degrees in the gym every day, no matter where you are. So, um, I, and clearly, um, I'm not very tan. No. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so the beach is not necessarily my draw here. Um, you know, I care about what we're doing. Um, but I, but I, obviously, I, I love it because our athletes get a chance to enjoy it, yeah. um, and it's unique in that way. Like when we're recruiting players here, it's 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 a tough place to be because. You know, we're gonna we're gonna compete for a national title every year. We're gonna be in that mix. Uh, you get to live where everybody else vacations, uh, and then academically here, you get a, you get a chance to do something really really special. Like we had, we had uh, ten girls this year getting their grad degrees. So, awesome. you know, it's it's you start to put that package together, and and players look at that and go, oh, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then yeah. the other thing, and I don't know if you know this, but um, you know, in the last five years, we've had fifteen players go pro. I did not know that. And so. Yeah. You know, that starts to breed a whole another conversation and level of athlete that wants to come here because they're going. Yeah. You know, on average, 
um, that's equivalent to what the Pac-12 is producing. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you're thinking about that, I have a really good friend that coaches in the Pac-12, and as we started to send athletes to, to these different pro clubs around the world, you know, I started to see a lot of the Pac-12 athletes are some of the standout athletes in, in that, in women's basketball's probably top two conference in the country, uh, one or two. Um, and I saw some of the same athletes that were all Pac-12 players in the same leagues our players were going playing. And so I called this coach and I said, hey, just out of curiosity, I have no idea. I said, what's, you know, what's the average number of players going from, uh, you know, a, a Pac-12 program to the pros and these leagues that our players are going to? Um, and it was a pretty quick answer. It was two to three a year. Um, you know, rare exception, maybe Stanford or, you know, something like that, maybe Oregon on, on a given year. Um, and... And I sat back and I'm going, yeah, we're sending three to four. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I think it's one of those things where now I can, with, with the sustained success, with that as a model, yeah. with my pro background, all the coaches on my staff have professional backgrounds, uh, have either played or coached pro. And so it's one of those things where now I can, I can legitimately tell these athletes, hey, you might be at a high major division one. You probably have a better opportunity to go pro coming from Southeastern than you do from there. And I know that's the same thing with Dinkley, right? And, yeah, and I mean, baseball is okay, legit draft picks out there, man. Oh, absolutely. They'll play the Tigers is probably legitimately a tryout. I, I really, I really wish that. Well, I'm not gonna say I wish I didn't have practice, but I wish that the time would have been different. Where I wouldn't have to go to practice today. I could have watched Detroit play the Detroit Tigers yeah. play the Southeastern Fire in baseball. I mean, right. that would. I mean, I, I talked with Brian yeah. uh, Fuentes before, and I yeah. told him, go and get all your home runs. Y'all go score a ton of runs. Right. So this weekend, y'all don't score anything, and Weber's yeah. going to get a game or two from <laughs> Hopefully that takes the edge off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, God, they go out there and they get smoked. It's, oh, wow. yeah. I really hope I'm yeah. not calling too many home runs for the fire. Um, Coach, that's about all, all I got for you. If there's anything else you, you got, just you can go ahead and say that's about all I got, all the questions I got for you. Man, you were awesome going on 30 minutes awesome interview. Yeah. I just can't thank you enough. You're actually the yeah. first person outside of Weber to be on the Suncast podcast. Um, just really appreciate you helping grow the podcast. You, and we are definitely going to talk more when we get into uh, the season or kind of before the season yeah. with uh, – I say I'll start in October, right? Yeah, we do. We'll try to get in there maybe yeah. before conference play yeah. or whatnot. But coaches, thank you again. Um, and thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Suncast. Um, Appreciate y'all tuning in. Love y'all, and y'all have a good one. Thanks, Appreciate coach. you, brother. Yes, sir. That's awesome.